pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. Jesus or Jesus. All right, everybody. What's welcome, up? Welcome to our podcast. We can do that again. I don't care. Okay, we'll leave it there. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> <laughs> so what are you doing today? I'm going to go see Power Rangers Sweet. with Paul Fields. Sweet. Uh, we're excited about it. It could be absolutely horrendous. Uh, they, the trailers won me over to the fact I wasn't going to go see it in theaters at first. Yeah. Because I yeah. was going to say, that looks dumb. I'm not even going to support it. But now, <laughs> now the trailers look good enough that I, it's a different enough, different enough take that I want to go, go check it out. So. It, it's crazy. Everything's so cyclical. Like, you know, Power Rangers are out. Ninja Turtles are out. Pokemon's out. I mean, it's just everything that, you know, was big 20, 30 years ago. Just right. Keeps coming back. Thanks um, for dating us. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> we are old. We are old. But what are you doing this weekend? I'm actually going to Brian Van Doren's Youth Ministries retreat. They needed somebody to lead worship for them, so I'll be hanging out with him. So I will tell him that you guys say hello, and he will hopefully say hello back. But I can't tell you until next week. <laughs> he uh, might be saying good riddance. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, you never know. I don't know. No, so that'll be cool. But no Power Rangers. I won't be getting to see that. That's all right. Yeah, you'll you'll be okay. But did you get sick from Renown Weekend? I no. I I feel like I was the only one who you dodged that bullet. Yeah, I've I've been fine. I, I've been hearing about so many people are sick. I was sick this past weekend, and it seemed to be like the day after Renown. I felt it a little bit in my chest, but it really didn't hit me until like Saturday, and uh, and then of course I saw so many people were sick. But you always wonder who Patient Zero is. Yep. <laughs> Somebody brought it. Yeah, at my sister's wedding, it was one of Kyle, her husband's nephews. Oh. <laughs> he had the stomach bug of stomach bugs, mm. and we got home from Minnesota and we felt it. We never threw up, but but we were <laughs> we were out for a couple of days. But Morgan and Kyle on the plane going down to their honeymoon. Be, my oh, sister gosh. was in. She oh, made wow. them have to. Uh, they were coming in for a landing, and she was still in the restroom, and they're not allowed to land if someone's in the restroom. Oh, man. So she made them have to go back <laughs> up. And so she's already miserable and stomach not right, feeling good right. oh, and no. in the bathroom addressing it, and then they have to go down and then back up until she got out and messed with her even more. And wow. Oh, man, yeah. So sometimes the stuff that happens in those movies uh, goes down in real life sometimes. Yeah. But. Patient Zero was the nephew. Mm-hmm. It's always the fun thing. Yeah. Well, it was probably those girls that that our students threw the water bottle at. They probably uh, had to back or something. I don't know. I feel like I just didn't lick enough handrails. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably, <laughs> you know. That's probably a good thing. Yeah. No gum, pulling gum off the bottom of seats or anything. Yeah. Um, but, guys, hey, we're, uh, we're here talking about really what we typically call the problem of evil. And it's just this dilemma of how can a good God exist if there's evil in the world? So while we're talking about the problem of evil, uh, things like, you know, well, how can God be good if I get cancer or my parents get cancer, my parents die or I die uh, young, or, you know, how, how can all this suffering take place in a world in which there is a God who is good? And so uh, certainly a good question. Uh, mm-hmm. No one's ever wrong for asking that. No. And so we love thinking through that. We love talking about it. Uh, but but we really want to just talk while, while we're talking about the problem of evil the main question this is asking is what does it mean that god is good uh, is, is essentially what we're asking at the heart of it um, or is god good you know and so 
So we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about that today. But I wanted to start with an illustration that some of you guys have probably seen that that I always thought was really funny. There's a meme going around. It's just a short video of a guy, and it says, uh, blind man solves Rubik's Cube in five seconds. And it shows this guy pick up a Rubik's Cube. You know, it's all scattered and stuff. And he just twirls it a few times, sets it down, and lifts his hand like, ta-da! And, of course, it's not solved at all. <laughs> and the joke is he's blind. It, the guy's not really blind, but the joke is, obviously, because he has no value for the colors, um, he can't actually determine whether or not he solved it. But he thinks he has, because he's just kind of come up with some made-up standard. And in the same way, um, apart from God, when we talk about goodness, any standard that we come up with is just it's just made up. They're, they're apart from someone giving us a standard of good... There is no real good or right and wrong. Yeah, last night Taylor asked the question at Dudes, Dads, and Doctrines, uh, what is good? And then he gave the the parentheses, uh, and don't tell me only God is good. And immediately I was like, I don't know how to answer the question anymore. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I know these kids, you know, you guys are facing it in mm-hmm. schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a great argument, the moral argument for God's existence, because everyone uses ethical language, like right and wrong. Everyone says things are good or bad or this is better or worse or, um, you know, good and evil. And all of those things require that there be a true good. Uh, because the moment God does not exist, the question becomes, well, what's good? Right. The naturalist, the person who only believes in natural processes, will say, well, what's good is whatever benefits the majority of human survival. Of course, the question is, why is that good? I mean, why is it good that the majority of humans survive? Why not, and the question I always ask is, why not? Why, why aren't alpacas the species in which good is the reference point? You know, why, why, why not humans die and save the earth that we're killing? You know, it's just arbitrary if God does not exist. So the moment you say God does not exist... You give up any right to actually claim good and bad. Well, it's funny that you say uh, the human dying to save the earth, humans dying to save the earth thing. That's how many uh, how many sci-fi stories have uh, been built around us as humans creating robots or AI of some nature mm-hmm. to solve our problems yep. in the world. And the, the robots, with their cold, hard calculating says well we're the problem Mm -hmm. and so they their attempt is to eradicate us Uh, it's funny that we the culture answers the question in the negative on on many occasions yeah (laughs) absolutely well even this quote that you shared yesterday from this uh psychology today article where he says good and evil are fluid and then not long after that he then gives objective definitions for good and evil yeah Saying good means a lack of self-centeredness, and evil people are those who are unable to em- unable to empathize with others. Like it is, it's absurd that he would say they're fluid, meaning they are flexible, they're redefinable. Yep. It, it happens in circumstances alone is what it's dependent on. And then he goes and gives a hard and fast definition for these two. It, it's it's hilarious the absolute undercutting that that is. And of course, you know, maybe it's consistent with him because. Probably. If good and evil is fluid, then he can ironically go back and give a non-fluid definition. He can say, "Well, good and, good and evil change," and so his I guess maybe he's demonstrating that by saying, "See, here's what good is," and then maybe tomorrow he says something totally different. Well, it's, it's very likely, and, yeah. and oftentimes we do that a lot with our language. We mm, yeah. we 
don't recognize what we're saying and we redefine things on a regular basis. That's why I'm a, a bit of a my hobby horse is forgiveness and making sure that we talk about it very clearly mm-hmm. uh, because we, we say forgiveness is one thing one day and the next day we say it's a completely different thing. And mm-hmm. we live kind of uh, schizophrenic yeah. lives sometimes because we do end up defining things differently at different times. Yeah. And there's a lot of inconsistency there and we, we end up meeting that tension. But thankfully, we have God. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. And, and it really... And again, just kind of reiterate everything we just said. The main problem is if you don't believe God exists, there is no good. Right. There simply is. There's no good, and there simply is what is, and the universe does not care, and neither should you. Of course, everyone lives like there's good. I always love the phrase, you scratch a relativist and you find a moralist, meaning... The moment someone says good is whatever you define as good, and then you punch them, they immediately repent of that statement and treat you like you've treated them wrong uh, because good does exist. And as Ryan said, it's because God exists. Um, if God does not exist, we are here to make whatever we want of our existence, and we cannot dare say that there is any real good or bad. It's just made-up fairy tales. And honestly, it's more stressful. Mm-hmm. It's more stressful to live in a universe that's relative and constantly changing and mm-hmm. up in the air, and you can never really tell what is up what up from down. Like That stresses me out, yeah. not knowing what is actually good or what is actually evil. Thankfully, that's we have God to define that for us. Um, Yep. And, and how how does God define good for us? Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is the most important thing that we need to realize, that when we ask, is God good for, and then, you know, give an example of what we think might make him evil, we're making a false division between mm-hmm. God and a standard of good. There's no difference. Right. Because God is the creator. Therefore, everything God is and wills is what's good. You can't divide the two. Just like if I create a computer, whatever I've put into that computer is good for it to exist because my will has been put into its coding and and it's doing what I desire it to do. And when it deviates from that because of an error or a flaw, that's mm-hmm. when we say it's behaving badly. Yeah, yeah. So if it, you know, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so So to say that God is good is to mean that whatever God is, is good because he's the ultimate purpose and cause of the universe. He's the ultimate determiner of what matters, uh, which immediately puts us in our place. We are not free to decide what is worthy of approval and what is not. Um, we, we, as human right. beings, cannot decide. Now, somebody will say, well, good and evil changes, you know, depending on what context you live in. I think we talked about this before, but that I'm going to say real briefly, don't confuse universal good and or right and wrong with universal expression of right and wrong and what i mean by that is because environments change the way we express you know universal right and wrongs looks different for example as christians we are against abortion because taking a human life uh is wrong right as christians though we are again we are for the death penalty because when somebody is a threat to the well-being of society taking the life is good why because we value human life. It's the same universal value, it's just expressed differently. Um, Now, we don't determine what right and wrong is, we receive it from God. 
we talked about Isaiah 5.20 last night, and it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And uh, Isaiah's just warning people there that um, it's not only presumptuous to, to think we could say to God, hey, actually, uh, this is what good is, or actually, this is what bad is, to try to redefine his creation. Uh, but we are grossly mistaken if we think we will get away with that um, in the end. Yeah. Uh, as Proverbs seventeen fifteen says, he who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous, both of them alike, are an abomination uh, to the Lord. So good is, is what God approves. But then that, of course, is where the question comes from. How can a good God, you know, um, will that evil exist? Uh, but maybe before we get to that, we ask, what does it mean for us that um, that God is good? What does that mean for you and I? Yeah, what is it, how does it mean that, what do we, how do we live in light of the fact that, that God is good and uh what he approves of is good and it means that we really need to ask the the question of of everything that we do is uh, how does it relate back to god yeah um i think we don't ask that question enough and that's why a lot of christians and believers don't really know what their day-to-day life as a obedient follower of christ looks like because and sometimes they feel bad that it doesn't look like being a missionary overseas because they can't quite see how their life as, you know, uh, an employee at Ford or an accountant or a teacher, um, you know, in America, in a more Christian context, in, in a safe environment to be a Christian, they don't understand how that honors God. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of disconnect and discontentment you know, with how we live our lives mm-hmm. because we don't quite ask ourselves, how might this honor God? Yeah. Because uh, we, we like to think the only things that can honor God are being a pastor or being a missionary. Right, right, right. We're here to tell you that that's silly. Yep. yep. Um, we need to be asking, how does our lives honor God? And and part of it, uh, Taylor was bringing up last night, we need to be content with what God has given us. Because mm-hmm. what God has given us is what God approves for us and is what is good for yep. us. We may not always like in the sense of happiness or uh, excitement what we have. Uh, but we need to be content with what God has given us and therefore faithful to execute um, obedience in what God has given us. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I think kind of what, what you're really getting at is that um, because goodness is whatever God is, um, the question really becomes, well, to God, what is good? And, and that is ultimately... Um, the expression of His glory mm, at the yeah. center. That's that. Yeah. W- what motivates God in His goodness? The central motivation is displaying His value and His worth. And so, like in our, that's something everyone does, not just a pastor. That's something yeah. all of us do in the way that we work or don't work. You know, and expressing dissatisfaction with maybe our home lives. What we're saying is, God, you've screwed up, uh, or or something along those lines. And and, and I say that um, I, all of us are are, are battle this. Um, you know, we always wrestle with, man, things would just be better if. Mm. But what we have to realize is that's an expression of unbelief in our hearts. Right. It's an expression of, well, God, it would be better if I controlled the universe and worked it around for my glory, <laughs> you know. 
And, and I, I say that not in some sort of, well, you guys need to stop struggling with this, but it's just <laughs> something we need to be aware of. We all, all struggle to want to take the place of God and say, actually, you should have done it this way. Well, that, that's a good point, and, and it makes me want to ask the question, though. So someone comes up to you and says, um, how is God good for letting my sister die of cancer? Yeah. yeah. What, what's your response to that kind of thing? Yeah, um, my immediate thought whenever I get asked something like that is, well, if, if God is evil for, for your sister having cancer, why don't you consider him good for forgiving you her for the short time you knew her to begin with mm. you know mm. um this sort of system that you're meriting god as wicked for taking her but you're not meriting her for good or him meriting for good. him good for giving her to you shows me that you're you're just picking and choosing a definition of good that lands on your happiness when you don't like something you throw it against god and say that he's he's not good right right which goes back to to the very beginning when the serpent says to Adam and Eve, well, did God really say, you know, just why don't we redefine who God is here and let's make goodness what you want. Um, and it really creeps in. Like, I, I think what people are really wanting to say is this hurts when they're mm. asking, you know, mm. how can God right. this happen? I, I think all that really means is I just hurt. And that's a, that's a good hurt. Like, it's it's not wrong to hurt. And, and it's not wrong to go to God and even be frustrated yeah. with your circumstances in that moment. God can take it. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. But we really need to go back and think through, why in the world would we call God evil because of cancer, um, when in reality we didn't even deserve to know the people that have been taken by cancer? Um, well, and uh, Pastor Robert shared this Sunday from the pulpit, Romans 5, mm saying that while we were yet dead in our sin, God sent Jesus to die on the cross as a propitiation for our sins, as a substitute in our place. Like, we don't even deserve our life. Yeah, we, yeah. Not only do we not deserve our life, we also don't deserve, we don't deserve the forgiveness of sins and the promise mm -hmm. of new life that we have. Yeah, yeah. When you, when you start to think through that, right, your whole view of the everything that you have will change. Yeah, and he, that, to even ask how can God be good requires the grace of God to let you live. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and that's so hard for us to, to remember to think about uh, because it's just so we, we we are so tempted to define good uh, by God's treatment of us. Mm. And what it really comes down to is as creatures, we don't deserve to ask that question at all. Um, we exist by grace, and so um, even to accuse God of wickedness is to be a sign of God's grace in our life. Um, mm, so, which, so funny. which really comes down to to the real dilemma, you know, how can God be good for letting humans die? Uh, in reality, and this is we were talking last night. I get there was a guy who used to be a, a the middle school pastor here, and I guess uh, students. He was known for you know students would say. <laughs> um, Hey, that's not fair. And his response would be, "You know, it's fair. Hell's fair." And, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I, I want to incorporate that into my language all the time now yeah. because it's so funny. It's so true and it's so funny. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an ultimate Jesus juke. Um, it is. It is. But uh, but in reality, guys, like the person asking, "How can God be good for letting humans die?" has no idea what God's standard of good is. His standard of good is him. 
and his holiness. And when that's our standard, when we realize that, the real dilemma is how can God be good for letting us live at all? Right. And uh, I think we've got a, a Paul Washer quote we want to we want to play for you guys. We want you all to just listen to, to him talk about this. He's got a really good illustration, um, so, so check it out. What is the gospel? It's good news. It's very good news. But it's only very good news to a terrified man. It's only very good news to a needy man. You see, what you need to understand... Well, let, let me put it this way. Just to cut straight to the chase. Let me tell you the most terrifying thing that I can possibly tell you. The most terrifying truth that I can speak to you. Are you ready? Here it is. The most terrifying thing I can tell a man, a woman, a child is this. God is good. I said that a few years ago over in Europe when I was preaching. A secular university. I said, if you want to get down to it, the most terrifying news for man is this. God is good. And someone kind of laughed and said basically, and what's the problem with that? The problem with that is you're not good. Now, what does a good God do with someone like you? That's the greatest theological and philosophical problem in the Scriptures. God is good and that is terrifying. A hardened criminal working for some crime organization, if before he goes to court he is told that the judge is corrupt, he is full of joy. The most terrifying thing you can tell that criminal is the judge is not corrupt. He's good. It will fill him with terror. And see, this is the greatest problem of mankind. The greatest problem of mankind is God is good. Don't you see that? Because you're not. And therein lies the problem with modern day evangelical preaching. No one tells you who God really is. They just speak in cliches. You see, the other preachers can tell you God is good and you walk out feeling like you're totally released from any responsibility. I want to tell you that God is good and you ought to be terrified because you are not good. And there's the second half of the problem. No one's telling you what that means either. What does it mean that you're not good? How non-good or ungood are you? Let me put it this way. If you reject Christ, then the moment you take your first step through the gates of hell, the only thing you will hear is all of creation standing to its feet and applauding and praising God because God has rid the earth of you. That's how not good you are. You say, but my sin, I'm not that big of a sinner. Adam sinned once and threw the entire universe into total chaos and condemnation. You do not understand who this God is. He really is good. You're not. He really is love. You are the very opposite of that. 
So how can he let evil, loveless people into fellowship with him? Yeah, that was Paul Washer. We we really love that that little video, and uh, honestly, it sums up Romans three twenty four through twenty six sums up a little bit what he was talking about here, and it says. God put Jesus forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think a lot of people, you know, the, we rightly see the cross as God's love. Scripture tells us that's a sign of God's love. But it isn't only that, uh, and it can't be only that, because for God to, to treat wicked people like us in love would be pure heresy, would be pure blasphemy against his own name if he did not deal with our unrighteous wickedness. And that's what Paul's saying here in Romans 3, that the cross was to show that God is just. And what he means by that is he's not just in saving you, he's just in punishing you on the cross. That's what that means, that, right. that you're being punished on the cross. Your sin is being murdered and killed um, so that God is righteous in saving you. He doesn't throw out—we often, we often, yeah, exactly, we often mistake the what's going on on the cross is that God is just forgetting— Mm-hmm. our sin yeah no he is addressing it in mm-hmm. the cross yeah. he is crucifying it on the cross it is being put on jesus which a practical implication of it is also that when you sin you need to be reminded that jesus experienced the consequence the negative judgment consequence of that sin he experienced that on yeah. the cross yeah um, which is why we you should, can know your future sin is paid for because it, exactly. your sin's dealt with. Right. Yeah. You should also horrify that someone else should yeah. horrify you that someone else suffered underneath uh, you, because of your actions. Right. I think Stephen Lawson said I saw it earlier today. I could, um, but it was your sin will either be paid for on the cross or in hell. Mm. Um, mm. And so, the real dilemma with the problem of evil is not that God lets us die. The real question is, how can a good God let people live? And the only answer to that is Jesus. Right. The only way God can be good to save us is because of Jesus. Because if he does not require payment for our sin, then he would be just as much an idolater as we are. But by his mercy, he devises a way so that his just wrath and his love can come together to create a people. And it's an incredible thing. It is. And it's a reminder, too, that only in Christ, only in Christ, no other way, no other mm-hmm. God, no other sacrifice, no other act, no other good work or anything, only in Christ can God save us. Yeah. Only in Christ is it good that God saves us. It's only, it's only the only possible way. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's a great, great topic relevant to, mm-hmm. to everything I know we're facing today. Um, I see just heartbreaking scenarios all the time. Um, but... Uh, so we appreciate you guys listening, and we are going to uh, see you guys tomorrow night. We have a church-wide uh, hangout, family fellowship, where we're going to be eating together uh, and hanging out with all the, the different people in our church. We want to encourage you all to come and be prepared to build relationships. Uh, share this with your friends. Tell them to check it out, uh, and we will see you tomorrow night. Catch you guys. Bye. Jesus, Lord.
interview.